The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. Self, I learned in Eretz Israel many good years in Yeshivat Yitri in Yerushalayim. And I remember many, many times picking ourselves up and going out to Yeshivat Torah Or in Matristov. And there, coming into the great Gadol Rabbi Scheinberg, and as an American boy learning in Israel, such a warming, wonderful feeling to come to a Gadol in Eretz Yisrael and to be able to open your heart and speak to him in English, to be able to have a conversation, to be able to get such warmth and chizuk, and of course, unbelievable berachot and blessings. I myself, after quite a few years of learning in Eretz Yisrael, I finally came back to America. I got married. I went back to Eretz Yisrael, learned for another few years in Kolel, and after about seven and a half years of learning in Eretz Yisrael, finally came back to America for good. And right at first, when my wife and I came back, we moved to Flatbush, to Brooklyn, right next to both our parents, and we were renting on Ocean Parkway between O and P. And we heard that the great Sadiq Rabbi Scheinberg is in town. And yes, many people, when they heard, they all came flocking and running to get his tremendous berachot. At that time, Rabbi Scheinberg was still energetic. At that time, Rabbi Scheinberg still had a certain tkifut and strength. I remember coming in with my wife. We sat in front of Rabbi Scheinberg and we started to speak. And I myself wasn't sure. Should I go to Murray Yeshiva to learn? What yeshiva should I look into? And I remember Rabbi Scheinberg smiled at me and he said to me, Lakewood! Lakewood is a makom Torah. Thousands upon thousands of Talmidei Chachamim sitting and learning Yomam Valayla. What are you waiting for? Pick up and go to Lakewood. And once we heard that, and we got tremendous berachot. My wife and I picked up and went to Lakewood. And that was the beginning of a very warm and ongoing relationship with the Gadol. Oh, but it gets much deeper. A good few years later, when Rabbi Scheinberg came to Lakewood, the city, and we heard, my wife and I, that Rabbi Scheinberg is in Lakewood. So I ran out to Rabbi Scheinberg. I wanted to be Mikabel Panim. I wanted to get a beracha again. I wanted to thank him for giving me the advice that he gave me at the time because it was his word that I went to Lakewood in the first place. It was his word that guided me at that time to be able to give Baruch Hashem seven years of Chaburot in the great Bet Midrash of Yeshiva of Lakewood. So I wanted to thank him, Hakarata Tov, but yet again to get more Berachot for everything in life that we needed. And I remember sitting in Rabbi Scheinberg and talking to him. And in our conversations, I don't know what gripped me. But suddenly a little flare, maybe even a little bit of a chutzpah, came to my tongue. And I asked Rabbi Scheinberg, how did everyone who's by Rabbi Scheinberg knows that he sat and he was wearing, some say it was 180 pairs of tzitzit, some say different numbers, but nonetheless, you were able to tell from the shoulders, you were able to tell from the clothing, the amount of tzitzit that he was wearing. 
I turned to Rabbi Scheinberg and I said, Can I ask? I really would love a pair of tzitzit from the Gadol, from the Rav. I remember the look on his face. He smiled and he said to me, Why do you want my tzitzit? It's no different than your tzitzit. So I said to the Rav, No, 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 please. Please, I, I, I really would like a pair. So he, he smiled, he said, no, Mitzah Hashem, the next time I see you, I'll give you a pair. Right now, I don't know if I have any extra pairs. Okay, that's the beginning of something. I turned to my wife, I said, it's not a no, at least, it's not a no. And the truth is, that a little over a year and a half later, Rabbi Scheinberg came back to Lakewood with his son, and there I came again to visit the Roshiva to get Benachot. And it was this time that I came prepared. I sat in front of the Rav. I got the Benachot. And then I pulled out a pair of tzitzit. And I said to the Rav, the Rav, the Rosh Hashiva, he promised me a little over a year ago that the next time you give me a pair of tzitzit, he smiled. And he said to me, well, you know that I'm wearing a certain number of tzitzit if I'm to give you one, then I'm going to be missing. Now, I knew this was coming. So I quickly pulled out the bag that I was holding and I said, yes, I know. That's why I brought my pair of tzitzit with me. Let's trade. You give me your tzitzit. I'll give you mine. And like this, you won't lose the mispar. You'll still have the same number. Rabbi Shimer started to laugh, but such a laugh with a smile. And he told me, come, Ben Shushan, come over here. I came over to him. And he took off a pair of tzitzit. And he handed it to me. And he told me, what are you going to do with these tzitzit? And I said, Roshiva, I'm going to wear these tzitzit on Yom Kippur. One day a year. I'm going to put on your tzitzit. I'm going to come in front of the Abishta. I'm going to come in front of Borei Olam. Wearing the Gadol Hador's Tzitzit, I'm wearing it in Mitzashem this coming Kippur, this coming Yom Kippur. I saw a little grin. But wait, then he took off a second pair of Tzitzit. I felt like I just won the lottery. He says, and when are you, you going to wear this one? I said, uh, this one? This one I'm going to wear on Purim. Because... Hare, Yom Kippur is only Kippurim. He smiled and liked it. And I took the second pair of tzitzit. But then he pulled off another pair. And handed me the pair and he said to me, No, and when are you going to wear this one? I said, this one I'm going to wear on Pesach. When we come to be Mikabel Pnei Mashiach. Oh! And then finally he pulled off a fourth pair. I mean, I'm telling you. I should have went out and bought a lottery ticket there. He pulled off a fourth pair. And he said, when are you going to wear this one? And I didn't know what to say anymore. I ran out of smart answers. He smiled and he said to me, This one, I want you to wear every single day. And I took it. And I put it on. And I started to wear it every 
single day. To the extent, my friends, that I'd like to fast forward maybe some six to seven months later. It was the night, the night before Rosh Hashanah. And, you know, right before Rosh Hashanah, running around, giving classes in different shuls, giving shiurim in different neighborhoods, I was asked to go out. I was asked to go out to Queens. And it was there that I was giving a shiur. And on the way back, I stopped into Brooklyn for a minute. And there, I bumped into Rico. And he said to me, where are you going? You're going to Lakewood? I said, yeah. He says, okay, here, I have a bunch of CDs for you. And he handed me about 200 CDs from different classes from over the last few years. All the different classes that I gave over those last two, three years, they were all extras. He handed them to me, says, take this with you to Lakewood. Put it out in the shuls. It's right before Yomadin. You never know. It'll give people hezuk. And now, on the up-and-coming days, the Asert Yemet Yeshuvah, people would love to hear these shiurim. And he hands me a whole stack of CDs, and I put it in the car. And I drive off to Lakewood. And that night, I was exhausted. And that night, on my way back to Lakewood, I tell you the truth, my memory from that night stops right there. The last thing I remember of that night was driving up to the outer bridge. After that, the rest of the night is completely and absolutely a blur. But one memory I do remember. Apparently, as according to the police reports and the diagram that the police and the tow trucks on the scene drew, my car drove off the Garden State Parkway. Somehow or other, made its way towards one of the barriers that was overhanging with a highway running underneath. My car hit the barrier and went over and fell 104 feet down to the highway underneath the Garden State Parkway. According to the police, the car kept going till finally it ended up it ended up on the side of one of the barriers. At that moment, at least the way the police say it over, at that moment, the police came to the scene, people came to the scene, and the cops, well, in the words of the tow truck guy, they said, there's nothing left of the car. The guy inside, he's gone. Don't even bother calling the paramedics. It's all about paperwork. And it was there that they left me in the car for almost 15, 20 minutes. Till according to the tow truck driver's... According to the tow truck driver's testimony that was there, he says, one of the volunteers saw movement in the car. And then they ran up to the car. And this is the only part of the night that I do have a vague memory of. I remember the head of a police officer sticking his head into the car and looking at me. And he says to me, You're alive? And I look back at him and I said, Yeah, why not? Well, why not? What's the matter? I had no clue of the magnitude of the accident that I was just in. I had no clue that my car just, at 
65 miles an hour went off the side of the Garden State Parkway and fell 100 feet. I had no clue about anything, which was part of the great chesed of Borei Olam that night. Miraculously, it was then that they called in the paramedics, they called in the ambulances. Somehow or other, although I have no recollection, they got me out of the car and they brought me to a nearby hospital in Sayreville, New Jersey. And it was there that night that my family, and for the next two weeks, friends and all the people of the shul came. It was an open miracle that after all the CAT scans and all and everything they did, to come out of that accident with just a dislocated left thumb was miraculous. Like the doctor said, they just don't understand. Looking at the car, there was nothing left. Absolutely nothing left. The very next day, my brother, Rabbi Avi Ben Shusha, he went out to the pound, the junkyard, where the remains of the car that I was driving, that Toyota Camry, the remains of that car, the way he described it and the pictures that we have, it looks like a metal accordion. That's it. That's all that was left. Avi went there because my tefillin was left in the car. He went to get my tefillin and bring it back. So he comes into the junkyard and he speaks to the guy, the tow truck guy. And the tow truck guy says, wait, you want the stuff from that car? Oh, was that a family member of yours? How old was he? My brother said, was he? No, he's okay. He's alive. Matter of fact, he's doing well. Tow truck guy said, what? What are you talking about? I was there last night. I saw what happened. The car went off the side of the Garden State Parkway. It dropped 104 feet. There was nothing left of the car. Matter of fact, the cops, they didn't even call the, the ambulance. They said it was only about paperwork. That guy lived? I can't believe it. And then he took Avi over to what was left of the car. They found my tefillin in the back seat. Later on that afternoon, Avi came to the hospital. He comes and he gives me my tefillin. And he says to me, Dovi, what was that? All over the car. There was this sparkly, shiny stuff. It looked like that the entire front and back seat of the car was completely covered with like little shards of either glass but it looked shiny. It looked like diamonds. What was that? I said, I, I, I don't know. And I started thinking, what, what could have it have been? Well, he says, I'll tell you the truth. He says, I saw after going through the whole car. And he pulls out a bag and he says, this is the only stuff that was left. And then suddenly I look inside the bag. And out of the 300 CDs that Rico gave me that night to bring to Lakewood, there was only one that was intact. And then I realized, all oh, the broken little shards all over the car, the sparkly stuff, those little diamonds, those were the 300 CDs, smashed to pieces through that accident. But only one CD emerged. Only one Pachshemen, only one Kles came out whole. Without a scratch. I pulled that CD out of the bag and I looked at it. And I couldn't believe my eyes. 
That was the class. The name of the class was, Where is your spiritual bulletproof vest? That was the class about tzitzit. And then it dawned on me that that night I was wearing Rabbi Scheinberg's tzitzit. And I really believe that in Shamayim, at that moment, there was a tremendous zechut to be zochet to an incredible miracle. Gemara tells us that at a time of judgment, when a person is put into a sakana, when a person is put into a very dangerous situation, the first thing that Bedin Shomala wants to know, is he wearing tzitzit? Does he have a spiritual shmirah on him? Is he protected by the wonderful shmirah of the tzitzit? And once they find that he's wearing tzitzit, then the judgment goes much lighter. The first question they ask on a person in danger, are you wearing tzitzit? That night, I was wearing this great gadol's tzitzit. Yes, they ended up, when taking me out of the car and cutting my clothes open, they ended up cutting the tzitzit in half. Or Hashem, I still have three pairs. And as I'm speaking to you now, I'm wearing one of them. But nonetheless, the power of tzitzit, the shmirah of a mitzvah. Ah, we lost the great gadol. We lost a tremendous luminary. The gidolim, their Torah, is a shmirah for Am Yisrael. Rabbi Scheinberg, I, the shmirah of his Torah that we had, the tzitzit, he reminded us the beauty, the Shmirah of every mitzvah. He reminded us that our Gidolim are so precious to us. And their Shmirah for Am Yisrael today is needed more than ever. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.